G'day and welcome back to the Bailed Up Podcast. My name's Abby and it's been a minute since the last podcast. It's now October. The last podcast was in February, so it's been quite a while. Thank you to everyone that's been um, very, very patient for updates on the podcast. I haven't had too many updates, but I have had... um, things on my instagram story so if you want to um check out my instagram at bow up underscore podcast for lots of cricketing content so that's um more coming on that and more coming for the podcast got lots of stuff planned and i kind of just lost some ideas and lost a bit of passion for the podcast so i pushed it to one side worried about some other stuff but now we are back bigger and better than ever before and we're going to be talking about some big stuff today in the podcast but before that i've got a new idea for the podcast for the foreseeable future we're going to do a fact before i tell you guys about the lineup and it's going to be the oldest player um, who has debuted in one day international cricket and we've been moving closer to the world cup and we'll be talking about that later on but the oldest player to debut is Nolan Clark of the Netherlands, is the oldest player to make his one-day international debut when he debuted age 47 and 257 days. That is pretty ridiculous. But this was in the early 90s when the Netherlands didn't really have a huge background in cricket. Um, they might have played local cricket, but they didn't play a huge amount of international cricket. So I can see why they got older experience, but he only ended up playing... Uh, I don't even think he played about 10 one-day internationals, but to have that record, I don't think that record's ever going to be broken, so that's a not a bad record to have. Um, but to the lineup for today, we are going to be talking about local cricket. Now, I had, oh, not me personally, I didn't have the, the best season last year, but hopefully I have a better season this year. But team-wise, we had big years last year in my league. We um, be talking about that, everything, and predictions going into this year's local cricket. And then we're going to be talking about pre-season, what I've been doing for pre-season, um, maybe what you guys have been doing for pre-season and um, how I've been preparing for the Australian summer because it's only a couple more weeks to go until I play my first game. I'm pretty excited. And then for the third segment, we're going to be talking about the Weekly Whack. The podcast is back, and I'm very excited to say that once again. The Weekly Whack is the cricketing news we're going to talk about, um, news from all around the globe, and then we're going to finish off the podcast with one-day international World Cup predictions. So bold calls. Who's going to win uh, the World Cup? Who's going to take the most wickets? Who's going to make the most runs? All of that in the fourth segment of the podcast. It's very exciting to have the podcast back. Hopefully you guys can share it with lots of people. So let's get into the first segment for the 29th episode of the Bowed Up Podcast, Local Cricket. Welcome to Local Cricket, where I'm going to be chatting about all things local cricket. Now, today we're going to be talking about... Um, my cricket season, what last year was like, cricket is very close to starting here in Australia with only one more week until the first game. Last year, our team, oh, the teams that I did play in had a very, very good year and we just, or my under-16s team, we just made it into the finals. We won the premiership after a very exciting final series and even though we weren't the best team throughout the normal season, I think we ended fourth out of five teams and the top four go into the finals. So we just snuck in and um, most of the, the games that we did win, so we played a semi-final 
And then we played the final, the semi-final was a very, very close game. So we played well in that one. Uh, we probably just scraped through against the best team in the league. And then um, we were pretty much the underdogs, but we knew that we could do it throughout the entire season, that we were, if we put our minds to it, we were probably one of the best teams. So we knew we probably had a chance to win. We played against a team that um, that we'd played a fair bit against and we knew most of the people in it, so we knew what to do. And the, throughout the season, we'd won most of our games against them so we knew what to do we had our best bowling performance of the entire year in the grand final so that's pretty good so we bowled them out for close to 70 and chased it down with a fair few overs to spare so it was a pretty decent victory um bit nerve-wracking at times but the fact that we didn't have the greatest season but um showed that we were the best team in the final season shows that um we were the best team when it mattered the most. This year, I think we ha- might have a chance to make it back-to-back. In juniors, we have about nine players, I think, so we'll have to have a few play-ups every week or so. So um, we might be struggling for numbers in some weeks, but I think that even though um, we, we're short of players and other teams may not think that we're the best of teams, I still think we have an opportunity to... Um, um, fight up to the final spot and I think that a lot of our players um, have played in a lot of finals cricket for our leagues over the last few years so I think we could probably compete in the finals if we made the finals there's a fair few more teams I think there's about six or seven teams in the league this year for under 16 so I'm pretty excited for that um, I'm hoping for a better season in the local league individually and become more consistent. Last year in rep cricket, I made my first 50, so that was pretty exciting. Uh, made 51, so hopefully um, I can continue off that decent form. Um, that was towards the end of last season, and I had after that, I had a pretty good end to the season I didn't get any more 50s but the runs were just a bit easier and I felt like I was just hitting the ball better it's my last year of junior cricket my last year of under 16 so it'll be a last chance to have fun in a team that I've been playing with for years there's only me and a couple of other kids who it's our last year in junior cricket hopefully I do get to play some more junior cricket in the future as a play down maybe but I don't think I will and this year's a real last chance to have another crack at a second premiership, have some success, and most of all, have fun, which is the most important thing. Moving on to senior cricket, the other team I'll be playing for for most of this year. Last year in senior cricket, I did all right, but I'm hoping to improve my batting performances. I finished the season well batting and wicket-keeping-wise, and the team made it to the grand final. For most of the year, um, I was picked as, as a wicket keeper and I felt I wicket kept very well. Um, wicket keeping wise, I want to improve um, w- keeping up to the stumps, hopefully get a few more stumpings. I got a, a few um, decent catches in last year, but I want to keep those um, buys to a minimum. I did well at doing that last year, but mostly I want to try and um, get some more dismissals throughout the year. But batting wise, I think that was my... Um, not a re- bit of a weakness last year. I wicket catch well, but 
in senior cricket when I got my opportunity to bat. I don't think I made the most of it. Like I did run decently between the wickets and allowed other people to get in a strike, which is probably the most important thing in senior cricket. But I do want to have better individual performances with the bat, and I think that improved later in the year after I got that first 50. So... In the last game of the year in the grand final, I made like 12 off 20-odd balls and played decently, so hopefully I can do that more regularly throughout this season. Um, But never mind, I've got this season to improve my skills, and um, even if I didn't have the best individual performances, the team did make it to the grand final. They actually won the T20 grand final but just missed out on winning the one-day grand final. And this is actually a good story. I wasn't actually originally picked in the one-day grand final, so the last game of the year, I wasn't originally picked. And an hour before the game started, the captain rang um, and said that for some reason the people who were picked um, weren't allowed to play because they hadn't played enough games of C-grade to be allowed to play. So this was an hour before the game, Um, We were about 40 minutes away from where the game was being played. I had to find my whites. I had to pack my bag. I had to get some food. I had to get ready in a very small amount of time. And then we had to rush all the way down. Um, 40 minutes drive. Got out of the car. Got ready. And they decided to bat first. Pretty much for the sole reason that not all the players who were playing were actually there. So that was good. Instead of having having to get my keeping stuff on and then going straight out. So that was a bit of relief. We set a decent total, but they just chased it down. A um, bit unlucky from us. We probably one of the best teams in the one-day format for most of the year, but uh, cricket's a funny game. It Some days it's your day, some days it's not, but hopefully this year we can have a good year. And anyway, one out of two is pretty good. T20 grand final we won, one-day grand final we didn't. Other than the loss, we had a very, very consistent season. So hopefully we're looking for a good season in senior cricket. I think for uh, C grade, we probably have an opportunity to win again. I don't know about Bs or As. Bs, we um, they did play very well last year, and I think As did pretty well as well. So this year is going to be very exciting for local cricket, and you can um, have regular updates throughout the year on my... Um, individual performances sometimes, but most of all, what's more important, cricket's a team game, so the team performances and how we go. So that's going to be regular updates on the podcast about that. So that's it for local cricket and moving on to the next segment. We're going to be looking at my pre-season prep, what I've been doing in preparation for pre-season this year or the season. We're about a week away from the cricket season. And to be honest, I haven't had as much preparation as I wanted to. I did break my arm again this year playing footy. Same old, same old. Um, I broke my left arm this time instead of my right. So that's better. Not really, actually. It's still a broken arm. So that's still pretty bad. But... It took a fair while to recover, but um, the good thing about this time is that I broke it a little bit earlier um, than I did last year. Last year, I broke it um, early July or late July, and then this year, I broke it before that um, midterm holiday, so that was a bit better. Um, so that allowed me to have a decent recovery because if I broke it at the same time I did last year, then I might have missed um, some more pre-season training, so... 
was a bit disappointing, but I still got a fair bit of preseason prep in probably about a month, but I did delay it a fair bit, and I did start preseason training a bit later than I wanted to. I did want to start preseason training and have about two and a half months of prepping before the season started, but I don't know. It doesn't really matter because I have had a fair bit of good prep. I've still had about a month of preparation, and even though my wrist was restricting me from batting and keeping practice, I was still improving my fitness while I was recovering. So for about a month or two months when my wrist wasn't too good, when I got out of my cast, I was still doing exercise. So I was doing um, running and that was a big thing that I wanted to improve on from last year was my running ability. My running between the wickets wasn't all too great last year. It wasn't bad and I could do it, but I did get tired after a while and I want to be able to um, be able to run faster between the wickets. So then one, I get more runs and two, it puts pressure on the fielders. So that's a big important thing. So I've been improving my fitness and then going into the two aspects of the game or for my game batting and keeping for batting I've been doing mostly net batting and underarm feeds and um, underarm feeds just allow me to improve my technique and then I've also been using the ball chucker so if you know what that is they use it um, it's like a dog tennis ball flinger but for cricket so that's very useful for practicing against faster bowling and then also I've been having net sessions at pre-season training for cricket as well and then for keeping mostly individual practice usually use tennis balls bouncy balls or golf balls as well if you de- I've been decreasing the size and increasing the speed of um, my self throws which has improved my reactions very well and also my coordination I have also done a drill, I recommend this drill very much, is when you're close to the wall and you throw two tennis balls at the wall and you have to catch one tennis ball in each hand. It really improves your reaction and also your coordination. That's been really good. But as I decrease the size of the balls, it um, ensures that I have to have um, strong hands when I catch the ball. So that's really useful when I'm keeping up to the stumps, but it also allows me to um, not have hard hands either. Make sure that I can catch the ball no matter what size it is and also have good reactions. So if you want to do this, you just find a wall, find some um, bouncy balls or some tennis balls or even a golf ball and then just throw it against the wall and then catch it and keep doing that. So with the golf balls, that's a bit more difficult because because it's smaller and you do I've been doing it against a brick wall. Um, it just has the ability to move off into different directions more often so that's been um testing out my reactions um more extremely so that's been good for my reactions and also my coordination as all the other drills have been doing but the golf ball drill was actually i did hear it from tim payne former skipper of australia and wicket keeper so that was a good drill to try out and that's actually worked pretty well my prep this year has been pretty good considering my injury and i hope i'm ready to go leading into the first game of the year i think i am i've had a fair bit of disrupted training earlier and it did delay my training, but I did make sure that I put the effort in over the last month or two to make sure that I was prepared. And I really think I am prepared with the bat and with the gloves. And I've also been doing a bit of bowling for when I do bowl or if I bowl, hopefully. Not really, actually. My off spin 
lovely stuff. And that is it for my preseason prep and moving on to the weekly whack. It's been a long time since the news on this podcast. This is the weekly whack. Let's get straight into it. There's been a lot of news over the last few weeks. We're just going to summarise the last few weeks because if we summarised all the time since the last podcast, we'd be here for a few hours. On to it straight away. Hayley Matthews, West Indian batter, uh, all-rounder, sorry, and also captain of the West Indian side, has hit the third highest score in women's T20 international history as they beat Australia in the largest chase in T20 history. She hit 132 of 64 balls as the West Indies chased down a total of 212. It was pretty much a game of records from both teams. Phoebe Litchfield also equaled the record for the fastest 50 in women's T20 international history of 18 balls Even um, in both um, parts of the game in men's and women's that's just a ridiculous record ended 52 off 19 so that's a ridiculous innings as well but Hayley Matthews um, although the West Indies lost the series Australia won at 2-1 um, Hayley Matthews got 99 in the first game 132 in the second and then 76 in the last so that's pretty ridiculous um, hopefully we can see Australia get the win in the one day international series they're having um, in a few days' time. Coop Connolly, who has been on the podcast, check out the interview, episode 26, 25, I think it was, has undergone surgery after injuring his toe in a boating mishap. He recently made his one-day debut for WA in the Marsh One-Day Cup and was pretty much guaranteed to make his Sheffield Shield debut this week. Um, but injured his toe, had to go to surgery. Very unlucky for him. Hopefully we get to see him in action at some point over the summer. The good thing about the Australian summer is it pretty much starts late September, early October and finishes early April, late March. So that's the good thing about the summer. Lots of um, cricket to be played, so hopefully we see him back in action. Moving on to the World Cup. New Zealand have destroyed England in the opening match of the World Cup with a nine-wicket win. England set a total of nine for 282, with Joe Root making 77. Now, on Joe Root for um, for just a second, it was great innings he played, but there was one part that was a bit that was that pretty much just made me say, "Oh my God, what's he done there?" Was when how he got dismissed. Glenn Phillips was bowling, the part-time off-spin bowler, and Joe Root premeditated the shot, played a reverse sweep. The ball went through his legs and then went straight into middle stump. It just wasn't the greatest of shots, but uh, it doesn't really matter in the end. The England will probably have a good World Cup campaign. They'll probably make it back because they're a pretty good white ball team. New Zealand lost a wicket early in their chase for 282, but Devon Conway, who made 152 of 121, and Rakshin Ravindra, 123 off 96 balls, chased down the total with 13 overs to spare. So it was a bit of an embarrassing defeat for England, but pretty good for um, New Zealand. Devon Conway has never played in a World Cup, and neither has Ravindra, so it was a pretty good performance from both of them. But... They steadied themselves after a wicket early. The other opener got out for a golden duck. So hopefully we can see New Zealand um, go deeper in the World Cup. On to the next piece of World Cup news. The Netherlands have lost to Pakistan by 81 runs in the second match of the World Cup. 
Pakistan was bowled out for 286, and when I looked at the score, I honestly thought that the Netherlands had a chance. Netherlands were pretty much on target, but wickets was the issue as they got bowled out for 205. The Netherlands played very well, though, I've got to say. Um, there was one player, an all-rounder, got um, four wickets. I think he maybe got three. Three wickets and also got um, a half-century, so that's pretty well done from Netherlands. I can see them um, surprising a lot of people in the World Cup this year. That is it for the weekly whack this week, and on to the next segment. It's time for an ODI World Cup special of predictions, and let's get straight into it. First of all, I'd like to touch on a bit of scheduling with the World Cups over the last few years. The scheduling, of course, has been impacted a lot by COVID, but I think from here onwards, the ICC needs to make a big effort in how they schedule it. 2021, there was a T20 World Cup. Then in 2022, there was another one. This year, there's an ODI World Cup, obviously. And then next year, there's another T20 World Cup. I think that just takes away the special part of World Cups. People are going to become less interested in World Cups if it's pretty much every single year. And also doesn't really give teams as much to play for. World Cups are an opportunity to show how a team has evolved over the time in between World Cups. And I think if they're pretty much every single year, it doesn't give the team an opportunity to do that. That's the, that's the final part of my little bit of scheduling rant. But on to the predictions. Who's going to make the final? New Zealand versus India, I think, will be the final. India, obviously, it's a home World Cup. So they're a big team, full of stars, full of big names. And they're a very skillful team. And although they can be sometimes a little bit inconsistent, a little bit inconsistent. They can also demolish teams with ease, um, especially with their batting lineup. They're a very ba- balanced team with both bat and ball, so I can see them definitely making finals, um, but definitely making the final as well. New Zealand. Um, obviously, I'm a bit of an advantage with these predictions um, as the World Cup started a few days ago, so I already saw New Zealand play England, which they demolished England. Um, New Zealand just showed during that game their ability to restrict a team. England are a ridiculously good team, especially in white ball cricket. And I think to restrict them to a total of only 282 and then chase that down with one wicket remaining, uh, we, we just uh, with only losing one wicket is pretty ridiculous. So it just shows their balance with bat and ball and their ability to um, win games. And also, Tim Southey didn't play in that game and neither did Kane Williamson. So if you put those plays back into the team, then it's an even better team. On to the leading run scorer, Devin Conway who I think is going to make 642 runs. He's already made 152 of them. Showed in the game against England that he's a very, very good player. His first World Cup for New Zealand. He's a great opening batsman, but I can definitely see him having some composure up the top of the order for New Zealand. On on to the leading wicket-takers. I think Mohamed Siraj from India and Mitchell Stark from Australia will both get 25 wickets. Mohamed Siraj is a very big game player. And as we saw in some of the pre-World Cup matches and some of the practice matches um, in the series before, um, 
he just gets wickets after wickets in overs, and I think that if he performs like that over the cross of an entire World Cup campaign, then he can really show his full ability and probably get the leading wicket taker. If he doesn't win the wicket uh, wicket taker, then I can definitely see him getting very very close, and I think he could probably get more than twenty five wickets. Mitchell Stark, he's a very good player. Um, when it comes to World Cups, he's pretty much who you want in your bowling attack. In 2019, he got the most wickets with 27, and in 2015, he got pretty close um, up the top in the high 20s. So whenever it comes to a World Cup, you really want Mitchell Stark in your bowling lineup, and I think he's going to be a big part for Australia in this World Cup campaign. On to the surprise performer. Marco Janssen from South Africa. He showed a lot of potential over the last few years. He's a young player. He's an all-rounder. And as a tall player like he is, I can see him hitting a fair few big sixes and taking a fair few uh, big wickets as well. So um, he needs to show at some point his potential. He showed his talent in... um, snippets over the last few years but I can definitely see him showing his full potential on the world stage and on to the bold calls South Africa will make it to the semi-finals they played very well in preparations especially against Australia in that series a few weeks ago just their ability in that series to one get big totals and then two restrict a side and bowl them out they've got uh, Rabada and they've got Nokia so I can definitely see them um, getting high up into the World Cup, maybe not making the finals, but definitely making the semi-finals. They're a very balanced team, and people usually underestimate South Africa based on how they've gone in past World Cups. My next big call, Bangladesh to beat India in the group stage. Now, these are just um, bold calls. It may or may not ha- happen. It probably won't, but in a World Cup campaign, it's usually um, pretty normal to see a big team like India, like England, like New Zealand to just drop a game that people think they should usually win. But Bangladesh has been building for some time and has a lot of potential. And I think India will still make the final but and won't lose from there onwards. It probably won't impact um, India too much um, heading in further through the campaign. But I can very much see Bangladesh upsetting the home Um, team and making a bit of a surprise for many people around the world people very much be surprised by um, the impact that that will make to India's campaign did I just say that Moving on to the audience bold calls. Now, I had a poll or submission thing on Instagram. So if I put I put those up fairly often on Instagram, especially when it comes to asking for audience um, submissions. So if you ever want to put your ideas or put predictions or bold calls even for the podcast, especially for the World Cups, it will help greatly. So go to bailed up underscore podcast to follow the story because they're usually on there sometimes but this bold call comes in from Lockie underscore Kirkham he said that Mitch Marsh will be player of the tournament 
and Kirkham, I can definitely see that happening. Mitch Marsh not only has shown his leadership over the last few months, but has shown his ridiculous form in all formats of the game, but especially ODI cricket. He showed in 2021 his ability to play in the big stage in the T20 World Cup. He played a match-winning innings there. He hit a six off the f- his first ball, which is pretty ridiculous. So I can very much see him being a big asset for Australia. If he doesn't win the player of the tournament, he'll be a big member of the team, but both with bat and ball, he's a great all-rounder, and I think that as an opening batter, he hasn't played too much as an opening batter in ODI cricket, but I think that David Warner will support him in that role, and that will lead to Mitch Marsh having a big campaign with the bat, and I can see him probably winning player of the tournament. So that is it for the bold calls and for the predictions, and one more thing to touch on before we go to the outro is... Also, some more scheduling. Sorry for all the scheduling rants in this segment, but it's got to be done. It's just got to be done. In the opening match of the World Cup, it was New Zealand versus England. It was a big matchup considering what happened in 2019. But I think to reflect what happened in 2019, you need the same atmosphere. And what we saw at Nahendra Modi Stadium was not the atmosphere that was reflected in England many uh, in f- four years ago. It's in a 132,000 capacity seater stadium. So you and it's a team. It's both teams that aren't India in India. So you, oh, you're obviously going to predict there's going to be less people than there would be if India played an opening match. So I think that was a bit of a mishap for um, ICC to schedule it that way. If you want to see a better um, way to start the World Cup in terms of um, audience and spectators and how many people are getting involved in the World Cup, then you want to play it in a, a stadium that has a smaller capacity because it means that it shows there's more atmosphere and excitement. And that is the end of my rant, I promise. And that is it for the ODI World Cup special of predictions. And let's move on to the outro. Thank you all for listening to the 29th episode of the Bowed Up Podcast. Obviously, it has been a fair while since the last episode, so if you want to support the podcast, then you can go follow the Instagram at Up underscore podcast and also keep listening to the podcast wherever you listen to it. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to it. Keep listening and keep sharing it to many more people. That is it for me on the Bowed Up podcast for today. See you in a couple of weeks. I'll be out to the pavilion which will hopefully not happen too many times this year.